Welcome to the Kernel DeFi Podcast. My name is Sean DeManta, and I'm here to explore the past, present, and future of the DeFi industry with you. In today's podcast, I talk with Vincent Weiser, who is the Chief Product Officer of Molecule and core team member at MetaDAO. Vincent is on the bleeding edge of a new industry vertical called Decentralized Science, also known as DSI. DSI is decentralizing the scientific research process away from the traditional ivory tower institutions and mega pharma companies to the researchers and patients on the ground. Funding for early stage life sciences research, in particular tech transfer from universities, has declined significantly over the last few years, leaving an opportunity for DSI to provide alternative funding mechanisms. Molecule has invented an ownership structure called the IPNFT, which is an NFT that holds the rights to early stage research and can be traded freely on market similar to OpenSea. Molecule has incubated DAOs focused on specific disease verticals, the most prominent of which is MetaDAO, focused on longevity research. These DAOs include researchers, patients, and other key stakeholders. We go into this and more in the episode. You don't want to miss it. For those interested in becoming a builder in DSI, DeFi, or Web3, like Vincent, I encourage you to apply for the Kernel Fellowship, a peer-to-peer Web3 learning community with many specialized focus areas like DSI, DeFi, DAOs, NFTs, and gaming. Applications are open now on the Kernel website, kernel.community, through July 15th. Hey, Vincent, thanks for coming on the Kernel DeFi podcast. Really excited to have you here. I'd love if you could just start with a really quick background of who you are, how you got here, and what uh, what has led you to this path where you're leading product at Molecule. Yeah, thanks for having me, Sean. Um, so kind of like I, I started in, in my early teens being just like excited to build stuff and excited by the internet um, and started building my first website, exploring the internet more. Um, internet startups but then ultimately um discovered bitcoin and and heard some of those ideas like honestly didn't capture me as much as then later on uh, ethereum really did um and then got really excited actually in 2016 also by uh, the idea of the dao and um kind of from then on like explored on the one side um crypto really but also a couple of other interests like for example effect altruism a bit as well as like healthcare longevity and a bunch of other fields i was uh, passionate and curious about to learn more and really under the spirit of like what are like the most interesting technologies that shape the future of humanity and and could have the biggest most positive impact on humanity and kind of um in 2017 then created a decentralized ethereum exchange called dex blue with my friend valentin and explored uh, the Ethereum world of, of DEXs and DeFi uh, and, and then kind of fairly quickly to be honest got a bit bored by like okay the, like building another DEX like I, I didn't want to do it like for the rest of my life um, and explored healthcare going to like um, actually longevity conference um, in 2018 and the funny thing was like I directly like unexpectedly bumped into Vitalik who was there and and had a chat with him on like what he thinks like could be an interesting intersection of longevity and uh, crypto and he was like okay I have not so many ideas on like how they could intersect but on on funding I I want to fund this uh, research and like I, I want to fund more of it and that was like an interesting like watershed like insight for me uh, in the background but then also met another co-founder there that I explored like a health insurance uh, startup with and then actually went back a bit to exploring kind of like the intersection of both crypto and, and healthcare and got really lucky to meet uh, Paul and Tyler that were um, already starting out on Molecule in 2018, I think, or 2019. Then I met them in 2021. And um, and then they had the idea for co-initiating VitaDAO that I got really excited about because I had uh, two years earlier wanted to create a longevity DAO and like didn't f- f- find anyone that would be like great kind of like co-initiator and and team. But then, um, yeah, I got really heads down on helping to start and build VitaDAO as a longevity research DAO. 
That's uh, that's amazing. That seems like an incredible path through both the crypto and decentralized worlds, as well as looking at healthcare, social impact, longevity, and the like. It seems like there's a long-running theme of interesting longevity and anti-aging within the tech community overall, uh, as you see various tech titans like Jeff Bezos and the like funding anti-aging uh, biotech. Yeah. And um, I, I'm curious to um, learn, uh, it seems like there's a lot of interest, latent interest within the broader tech community, not just, I'd say, Web3 and decentralization. I, it's awesome that you had this serendipitous encounter with Vitalik as well, but curious if you could talk a little bit more about that and then also go into, I, I think, uh, a, a quick intro into what decentralized science is for our mm -hmm. listeners would be really helpful, given your experience. Yeah, totally. So on longevity, what I think is interesting is like there's this misconception and like the media, which of course uh, likes outlandish and scandalous claims, which focuses on this narrative of like, Oh, billionaires want to become immortal, blah, blah, blah. And ultimately, I think it completely misses the mark in the sense that I think fundamentally how we do healthcare today uh, is closer to sicker. We kind of wait for people, for example, to get age-related diseases like dementia and cancer. And then you have cancer or something. And then we hope that we can get it away with like extremely crude methods. Um, of course, like it's it, like you don't want to get into the situation of having cancer in the first place. So I think it it, it changes the, um, of course, system towards trying to prevent those age-related diseases like cancer, uh, which don't necessarily like if you solve cancer, you live two years longer. You clearly don't become immortal, um, and ultimately. Uh, I think that's like a huge misconception uh, that people have is, is on this like immortality. And, and I think the one thing which is interesting, like Balaji had this tweet thread on basically comparing long, that longevity is traditional medicine, what crypto is to traditional finance. Ultimately, it changes the uh, equation and, and the questions you ask and towards like more first principles, like how should it be? And I, I think there's like, like there's a great essay I can recommend by him um, called Purpose of Technology on this. And I think it's similar for other technologists that basically um, ask themselves, okay, like maybe we're doing healthcare completely wrong. Um, and like there is of course like reasons for that that are very structural. So like there are indications, like it's clear to, uh, if you have like a mice or like a mouse with cancer, it, it's easy to see if you kind of um, basically, uh, yeah, basically cure that cancer in, in, in the mouse. But it's very hard to do clinical trials on also animals um, to avoid those age-related diseases. So right now it's very hard to basically get clinical approval for uh, longevity therapeutics, which is one of the main reasons why there are no much more. But there are some interesting ones, for example, um, like metformin, which is a diabetic drug, uh, which where the research showed that people that take it live longer as diabetic, I think sometimes, than the average human. So in theory, like a diabetic should live shorter, but like clearly now there's like the, the experiments to maybe we should give like those diabetic drugs to other people that don't even have uh, diabetes to potentially uh, avoid for like a bad blood sugar. But more interestingly to touch that into decentralized science, I think is really um, wondering, okay, like what's the core fundamental values of crypto? And I think the one is, of course, really the decentralized, trustless nature of it, that you don't have to trust a centralized party and all the things coming with it, ultimately. Um, and I think there's a lot of reason why you want this in for many healthcare applications as well. And I think one is, for example, um, is, is even like decentralized storage for science. Like, ultimately, you want science to be kind of like immutable and forever stored for humanity and not that it's like sitting on some AWS server that if the researcher dies, it's, it's, it's non-existent anymore. So you want, for example, stuff like this, but ultimately, um, more interestingly, I think you, you can break down also um, what comprises science and like which of those areas are the more, most crucial to improve and where decentralized science could help and, and like solve for. 
And I think one of the main ones that a lot of people are talking about, which we are focusing on really, is funding. So right now you have these monolithic funding organizations, like for example in the US, you have the National Institute of Health called the NIH, and they fund I think 40 billion or something worth of research each year. And it's fairly, um, like, like they, they basically on average fund fairly old people. Um, it, it's fairly, um, they, they don't fund for example that much uh, age related research. It's you, you want like a diversity of funding sources. And I think you don't want to have only one. And, and of course there are others, but they are not enough others in the sense that they still comprise the majority of funding. So what you've seen also to the earlier point actually on, on crypto and longevity, it's actually a lot of crypto, uh, like really successful people like Vitalik and people like Brian Armstrong, like Balaji, like um, Juan Benet uh, from Filecoin, as well as uh, Jet McCaleb, like all of the, those people mentioned in the last year um, funded some of the biggest scientific efforts in age-related research. And it's interesting and fascinating that ultimately now, for example, some of them came up um, with this effort called Empress Grant, which, which is doing much faster research. So basically, the I think after three weeks, like maximum of three weeks after the application, they make a decision if they fund you. And in the traditional system, it takes sometimes years. So like, it's just like fundamentally um, on, on this one vector, like funding uh, where, but ultimately that's not truly of course crypto enabled. So maybe to bring it back to decentralized science, I think there, there's a lot of different um, components uh, that, that could be improved with crypto. Uh, funding I think is one, of course around publishing there, there's, there are also, interesting ones but i think one interesting one actually to the gitcoin community was this effort uh, we did um which i think is truly crypto enabled of course that most people probably of the in this audience are aware of of credetic donations and with um our DAO, vita dao we actually launched like a longevity research donation round on gitcoin and helped onboard researchers open science efforts uh projects that couldn't make revenue or that lacked traditional um, donations or grants and basically through credetic donations enable those. So that's, I think for me, one clear example that should connect really well with a uh, kernel audience of credetic donations can also work to fund science and, and could be an interesting experiment to diversify the funding sources and, and, and just run a new experiment. I think there are so many more of those types of um, experiments, of course, VitaDAO as a research funding DAO is another experience, as well as like other efforts like we're doing, for example, enabled by this uh, Gitcon round, actually, we had, for example, did a fellowship funding uh, young people in the field um, or like people entering the field with quick cash grants. And it's somewhat enabled by crypto because all those people get USDC wherever they sit in the world. It's much harder to actually execute uh, like a, such a quick and, and small amount of fellowship money, if you basically have a bank account somewhere and need to globally send money to. Um, yeah, so that, that's another example. But then the really one I'm interested in, excited by, that was also one of actually the most successful projects, I think, on Gitcoin, like by far in, in the longevity round, but also broadly, uh, that gathered, I think, over $200,000 in donations was this project, um, VitaDAO, we started with a VitaDAO called Longevity Prize, where we want to play with some new crypto economic models, like some also inspired by Gitcoin and the credetic donation stuff to explore new models for science prizes. And of course, then again, you can explore different things and, and also really transparently have, for example, the prize money on chain, but also allow for donors to donate to specific science prizes. Um, and I think that's where it gets really interesting is that you can run like a lot of interesting experiments if you just look at something like funding that are fundamentally not really possible before, but also you have a crowd of people that are more open to experiment with new funding structures, for example. So a, a lot to unpack there. And thanks for going into decentralized science and some of the very interesting examples there. So the, the last point that you made, the longevity prize, is that very similar to like the X prize for uh, aging related um, activities and I'm curious how much of 
that is inspired by that whole XPRIZE competition that's been yeah, so, by so Peter Diamandis and the like. So, Yeah, totally. Like we, we actually uh, reached out to him and had, had a call with him and explored also like how it could work together. But the interesting thing, it's kind of the opposite. So it's like the XPRIZE, like is this monolithic prize, for example, they have like a hundred million dollar climate prize funded by Elon. And that's like, it has like one objective, which is like, if you build better climate technology than trees, basically, uh, you get a hundred million dollars. But like, if you build this, you will also have probably uh, other pathways of funding. We want to like make it more pluralistic in that sense and more bottom up um, with like the intelligence of the community and actually have multiple small prizes. Like for example, the first one we're launching, I think next week is the hypothesis, like an idea prize um, where people can win like 10 to $20,000 for submitting novel ideas, how longevity could be tackled. And that of course, everyone could participate, can be a student, can be someone on the internet, an enthusiast, but ultimately, basically the idea is twofold. And it's also like an experiment. So like the, the, where we want to improve on the price design and price mechanisms, but we want to start basically we've collected a jury of like 20, um, of the leading people in longevity, all of them can suggest a prize. So one person could suggest, for example, a biomarker prize, another could suggest a prize for a specific uh, lifespan that a, a mouse reaches in experiments. Like the, it, it's not so monolithic and top down that we define one prize, but basically we create this mechanism where the jury can propose prizes and they then can vote on the prizes to allocate a the, the pool of funding. So we have like $200,000, for example, to start with. You can en en envision three people from the jury suggest suggesting a prize each. And then basically they can say, okay, I want to upload this prize and or that prize so it, that it gets like a higher donation amount. And then the, the next experiment we want to do is actually everyone in the community uh, being able to donate onto all of those prizes, like the equivalent to donating to the matching pool or to donate to an individual prize and get some matching from the uh, donation pool for that specific prize. So we basically want to combine kind of like intelligence of, of the jury and of the scientists that we pick and also of the crowd and involve the crowd that you as an enthusiast in longevity can then donate 10 bucks on a specific prize you like and it might get five bucks of matching from the overall pool and in, in, in that sense basically grow the different prizes. But then also the goal really is instead of having this gigantically hard to achieve prize for hundred million to have a prize for $50,000 for a specific breakthrough needed in, for example, biomarkers that could be attainable in the next one or two years, but where there's no incentive right now to focus attention on it. But then it could of course even serve also as a mechanism where different teams apply and even are listed and then can work together potentially. And the goal, of course, is, is it, it, it's super experimental. Like literally, the, like it really was enabled by Gitcoin and by this round. Like I just uploaded this as an idea, like one afternoon. And then after the round, we're like, okay, this got 200,000 of donations. Let's get serious about this. Starting conversations with other partners. Or I'm actually um, joining forces with Foresight Institute that is also the, um, exploring a lot of the uh, Gitcoin tooling around bounties, around these rounds. And they are doing also um, mapping, like they're doing those uh, things called tech trees, where they try to map a field like longevity and figure out what are the things holding back progress as and, and, and like basically what are the next things holding down pro, um, progress, which could enable more progress down the line. Like ultimately it is things like much better biomarkers or other um, things that hold back a bunch of other progress and creating prizes around those things, holding back progress. So our thesis on how, like how we could move uh, science forward, but the, the goal is really like a meta goal of like, could we design a better um, science prize with like some of the principles we observed uh, that Gitcoin is doing that like, of course, the whole like pluralism and decentralized society ideas are putting forward um, as well as like in, in general, that just like you might whatever, get an NFT of your donor to like signal that you're a donor and like have other mechanisms to involve the community also. And actually like Peter Diamandis and XPRIZE was really curious also on all of those aspects. Like how could you involve like a larger donor base? How could you make it more interactive? Um, so they, they're, they're keynotes to learn from what we learn and potentially collaborate, which is really exciting. Um, and yeah, we are also exploring 
just like making this prize also together with others like and like yeah i have also more news to share on other like really well-known partners that want to join one we're uh, discussing with is a methuselah foundation that actually did the first uh longevity prize i think in 2003 uh, of like the methuselah mouse prize and they actually for example what their biggest donation was again from vitalik was like three four hundred million in, in meme coins he got i think some he also donated to to gitcoin so they actually also curious like what can they do with these meme coins have the biggest impact in in the sciences and of course we as a longevity dao that is somewhat crypto native have more ideas than like the average researcher on like how could that be used for uh, impact in the sciences so Sheepcoin can fund anti-aging, which would be an amazing headline <laughs> Yeah, if that yeah, happened. The one that they got was called uh, Dangelon or something, well, Ilon Doge, I don't know. Uh, but it, they, they, it completely shifted actually the whole community to start caring about uh, age-related like, longevity research, which is fascinating. And I think they're really thoughtful on like, how they approach it. And yeah, like we're exploring potentially partnering also with them and and yeah they're like an amazing team that actually pioneered science prizes so they also have like a lot of share in that domain well c congratulations on that uh, well it, that's that's really exciting to hear that potential new partnership and 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 where that will go i i, I wanted to touch upon how um, kind of decentralized science works in parallel with some of the other search mechanisms that pharma has pursued, for example, AI uh, drug development as a means to finding the right candidates. And what I'm seeing is almost a parallel between these two approaches where AI is typically seen as a singular objective focused mechanism and where the funding from the decentralized ideas of people is more of a novelty search uh, property to basically find what the people are finding useful to driving forward these anti-aging goals. And I'm, I know that there, for example, there's one AI drug discovery company called Spring Discovery, which is trying to repurpose uh, existing pharmaceutical agents for new uh, therapeutic purposes. And then in parallel, you have what's happening in the DSI world with VidaDAO and others in, in, in the space. And do you, do you see these two approaches um, working in cooperation together, are, are there fundamental differences in terms of the philosophies? Um, how, how do these two kind of coexist moving forward, given I, I think over the last decade, AI within R&D has been one of the primary exploration areas for pharma R&D, still yeah. not fully adopted, but um, I, I see that these two paradigms are largely focused on somewhat similar goals. but. Curious yeah. to hear your thoughts on that. Definitely. So, yeah, I think it's fascinating. Like, I'm also kind of like a just an enthusiast and like observer of a lot of these things. And I also played around with some things, but like, I'm far from like the deep domain expert in it. But what I'm, I think, really excited by it and what I, I see is, of course, just on the one side, there's this like with a lot of these things, like this gigantically bold vision of like how AI could transform drug discovery. And I think some of those things, like, makes sense down the line, but I, of course, there are also like a lot of issues right now of like representing um, like molecules in, in code is not straightforward. So if you, there's like problems partially with like representations of code, but ultimately there's, I think most of the modern drug discovery um, companies and, and approaches are more and more, of course, uh, more like big data and to a degree also uh, machine learning driven. And like the first research actually we funded with VitaDAO was actually also like a kind of big data exploration, if you like. So it was like the data set of um, the Danish population and like their different prescriptions on like every little, li every single citizen and basically seeing how it affects their lifespan. And basically um, Morton Scheibenatz and that we funded basically did a screen on, on that and, and, and found molecules that were, had like life extending properties and then started basically to try to repurpose them as well as like understand their properties better. Um, but I think to your question on, on the similarities and how it plays together, um, it's a good question. I think for me, the closest where it gets also interesting is um, some of the efforts, uh, for example, LabDAO's exploring that we are also um, supporting uh, with Molecule, like funded them early on and in, in, in close touch with. And they really want to build this execution layer 
of research, starting kind of with bioinformatics, but then also later with uh, wet lab research, like more standard, um, yeah, laboratory research. And I think the potential there is ultimately, you can envision it a bit like, for example, some people might know Numerai, which is like a uh, this data competition to build like a crowdsourced, uh, extremely competitive um, machine learning model that that invests in the financial markets. And basically there you get like kind of obfuscated data and can run models. And if, if they're uh, extremely good and, and predictive, you basically get rewards and tokens. And then those predictions actually uh, hedge fund users to, to invest. And I think you could envision a similar thing long term, which I think is a bit also the lab down vision to basically like some of the smartest ML engineers in the world, like might, might work full time at a Google on like optimizing ads or on like DeepMind on different efforts. But it would be amazing to basically enable them if they have like a specific uh, specialization that they could almost like earn bounties and contribute their knowledge to advance the sciences, to advance drug discovery. Um, and I think you like the, the, for example, you could envision like a researcher um, getting like a bounty if they submit a set of molecules for specific target with specific properties. And for example, VitaDAO posts a bounty on molecule for like 10K. And then a researcher can like do the, do the like bioinformatics, submit the data, get this reward, do so through LabDAO. And I think that's like one of the like potential explorations we want to uh, try out. I think a lot of it will take a while. Like ultimately you've seen it with like other projects that we're trying like real world stuff. And you, I think you've also seen it with projects like Numerai or, or Ocean uh, Protocol, et cetera. It takes much longer. And like the road is like, like it, it's not always straightforward and as easy as it sounds to get all those things right. But I think it's extremely interesting and promising to just explore also the intersection. But I, I think it's also, there, there are also these like um, sometimes some things also just don't make sense to connect in a sense where there's this buzzword salad of like AI, blockchain, uh, drug discovery, this and that. And then like a lot of the ideas could be like rubbish, but I think some will be fundamentally super interesting long-term. And I think it, it goes back actually to the point that you don't want siloed, centralized biotech companies reinventing the wheel, doing everything from scratch and, and then ultimately actually having a lot of the expenses on stuff that is completely commoditizable and like that every other biotech also has, which is like in, in a lot of cases is some of these um, pipelines. Of course, what is usually proprietary is the data and some of the hypothesis or like some of the potentially at some point patents. But I think the future I would be excited about goes more in the direction of, I think, um, architecturally and philosophically of crypto, which is open source and open science kind of like playing a huge part and component. And of course, to a degree, Ethereum is a public good and DeFi still captures a lot of value, but it's also completely transparent and code that everyone can run. And you could envision a world where like a lot of the tools are accessible for anyone. People build them together like open source and still like can develop like a proprietary research project where they also have a patent claim. But once they have the patent claim, for example, they can turn their so to speak, public GitHub repo, um, uh, their private GitHub repo, they could turn it public at the moment they get basically the patent application um, confirmed because then they have the right on it and, and then everyone can else can take a look. But ultimately, I think there will be interesting experiments, basically what, I, what I'm trying to say at the intersection. But I think many of them are also overhyped, potentially don't make sense. And I think we just want to experiment and like iterate quickly to get to the few ones that might make sense. Uh, but I think in general, like a more decentralized uh, crowdsourced drug discovery effort, I think could be super fascinating. But I of course also see the benefits and upsides of like a spring discovery, a more centralized entity uh, that is doing very focused research. But I think ultimately the goal is that even those entities have like an upside an equivalent in open source, like Facebook is also developing React and using it and putting resources into it and other centralized companies as well. But ultimately everyone benefits from these open building blocks. And I think that could be also facilitated a bit by decentralized science, like gigantic data sets and uh, models. 
So it, it seems like there's a, a larger arc of the democratization of biotech, which and, and life sciences funding, which Metadow, Molecule, and others are playing a part in helping enable. On the other side, there's also companies like Synthego and Zymergen, which are enabling people to basically run lab or experiments and, and the like from their laptop via a cloud laboratory effectively. And I, I want to touch a little further on that democratization principle and go to the heart of what, if, you, if we could just take a step back and if you could just describe what molecule is, what is the BioDAO mechanisms? How does that activate patient communities and researcher communities? Um, and really uh, want to tee that up as a way to explore the concept of IP NFTs as well, which I know is a novel mechanism you've introduced. So um, if you don't mind going Absolutely. into those concepts, would love to uh, share that with the audience who may not be as familiar with Molecule and the BioDAO yeah. system and the like. Absolutely. So Molecule is a company or we're a company that basically build on the one side, this new primitive called an IP NFT, which attaches a patent and, and research rights in the usually sponsored research agreements to an NFT, of course, allowing, for example, then like a DAO to hold uh, research, to fund research, and also introducing a lot of other benefits that I can go into later. And then on the other side, we built an interface that you could compare to like an open sea for research to basically discover those research projects, fund them, and as well as like learn more about them, like discuss them and and then on on the other side that you touched on we have biotech DAOs sitting like for example vita DAO that we helped co-initiate which for example is a longevity research DAO where we raised i think five million initially and then go about funding research that basically the community makes a governance proposal discusses the research does it make sense to fund like what what are the like um like could it make sense to reformulate like some of the questions and um, research design? And ultimately, the biotech DAO, of course, comprises kind of like of researchers of like MDs, PhDs, enthusiasts, and, and then also like people who just want to, for example, also learn more about the science, who so just like jump into the Discord, like listen to the journal club going into the research. And VitaDAO right now, of course, is like a heavy early adopter of, of the marketplace and and uh, kind of like stack of solutions. And the other thing is like there's like much more biotech DAOs emerging. Like one we're closely supporting um, is PsyDAO funding psychedelic researchers, also projects like ValleyDAO funding biomanufacturing research, HairDAO funding um, research in, in hair loss and, and, and hair development, and, and a bunch of others emerging, as well as like these uh, infrastructure projects like LabDAO, like crowdfunded cures and a bunch of others. And ultimately, we also want to enable those projects on the one side with funding, but then also like aligning incentives between them, basically having like shared ownership between those projects. Um, so really also to build like, uh, to fund the ecosystem and yeah, and and build those things also in the open, like to a degree, the IPNFT protocol, for example, we see as like a public good and open infrastructure piece that we want to build totally in the open, in the open source fashion where people can plug into it, get developer grants to build on top of it. So in that sense, not that uh, different from like a whatever Uniswap uh, protocol where people can then also build different UIs for it and um, trustlessly plug into it. But then of course the UI can um, filter, but the, the goal is really to create this full stack ecosystem where patients can come together, funders and researchers as well as like enabling all of those adjacent experiments uh, that I touched on earlier. I, I read one of Tyler Galato's, I know Molecule's co-founder and chief scientific officer's Medium article where he talks about Molecule effectively creating the open sea for biotech IP NFTs. And I'd love to dig into what is special about the technology of an NFT that enables this new paradigm. And also, how does this start to interact with the, the non-decentralized friendly world of pharma, big pharma and biotech and the like? And how, how do you start to see some of those interface points? Because I noticed in your fundraising announcement, 
one of the stated goals for the funding is to achieve the first out license of an IP NFT to a established group and love to dig into what that might look like. Um, but first, like what, what, what is special about NFTs that enables this new paradigm? And then two, how this, how might this interact with the uh, non crypto web three NFT savvy audience of biotech? Absolutely. So yeah, I think the interesting thing is with a lot of these things, I think people that, that are deeply versed in, in that defined NFT were like, no, the value of those interoperable building blocks like a ESC20 token or, or like an NFT. And of course the value could is, is really multiple. Like on the one side, you can plug into all those solutions built out by the NFT and DeFi world. And on the other side, it's really also brings patents and research into the digital age. Like ultimately, instead of making them like literal uh, paper documents or, or like PDFs, uh, you bring them in a digital, digital age where like the IP NFT could, for example, serve as an access key to data rooms attached um, with data attached to the research where, of course, like a DAO suddenly can now hold research and transfer it with like the click of a button as well as like access all of those um, basically defined NFT tooling solutions. Like, of course, now you can like fractionize IP NFTs, put it on, on Uniswap, like ultimately all those things are not possible with like a piece of paper. <laughs> um, so I think there's huge value in general in those primitives and those primitives being interoperable and, and being able to plug them into existing solutions. And ultimately the interesting thing for us is I think really to build out those new um, primitives, but also basically making them interoperable and, and supporting the interaction with efforts like LabDAO is doing and, and other protocols to make them really um, like the experience, like the developer experience really nice, but also like to enable kind of like a rich ecosystem emerging around this, similar to like an ERC20 token standard that really like, it, it, like standards only work if they are like um, basically built by and, and built on top of with different people and like if they are interoperable with existing stuff out there. Um, yeah, so that's really the goal. I know that there is also, for, for example, from VitaDAO, there is a ERC20 token. And how does that play into the ecosystem? What, what, what does the, what do the tokenomics of that enable within this IP NFT ecosystem and the larger DAO as well. Yeah. So like ultimately like most DAOs, like VitaDAO basically has a worthless governance token that people can use to vote on governance proposals, which include funding proposals for research. But of course it like enables a bunch of um, other things as well. Of course it also, a lot of things are also hard to do due to like uh, the Howie test and, and a bunch of other things which like a trustless and like permissionless DAO wants to um, avoid. And ultimately the, yeah, the, let's see, the, the interesting, I think, thing for VitaDAO is really that the focus is purely on, on funding research and all the proceeds basically from the research get reinvested or like put back into funding more research. And that's really the, like the, the spirit of the of the flow of capital in it, within the DAO. <laughs> so ultimately, I think it would really like the the best outcome would be being able to out license and and potentially sell some of the research to fund much much more research and just grow the amount of research we can fund as a community, but also find new models. Ultimately, how the community can more easily contribute directly into the research in fractional amounts. So, for example. Right now, like the average IP NFT costs two, three hundred thousand dollars, which of course, like, is a bit prohibitive for most uh, DeFi users to um, buy or to fund. And ultimately, I think we really also want to enable with um, legally compliant frameworks for fractionalizing research. For example, a group of hundred people to fund research, but also to be able to even buy and sell the fractions in the research. But then it's kind of detached from the ownership of the IP. It becomes like 
basically what we developed is this uh, framework called Friends and Fam, which um, we've also have an article on our website, vitadao.com, um, that goes into some of the legal details on like how we could, in a legally compliant way, fractionize IP NFTs. And does that, does those potential ownership rights also include things like royalties and uh, future royalty rights and all that other um, aspects that IP or patents typically confer, especially when you look at an out license agreement? And I, I, I'm, I wanted to, I guess, just ask that quick clarification, clarification question. Yeah. So with normal IP NFT, like, it, it, it has all those aspects, but of course it becomes um, like the DAO basically uh, like ELC20 holder of a Vita DAO token doesn't have ownership of the IP, just governance rights over what the DAO wants to do with it. So like the individual Vita DAO token holder can't access, for example, all the like um, proprietary research um, unless it's open source at some point, but then it loses, for example, all path to, to being translational and paid and, and to get a patent on it. But ultimately, if, if for example, you or I would fund an IP in a, if, like a research project individually through an IP NFT, we would own all the research uh, coming out of this and like the like the yeah, revenue streams and, and funding streams. Um, yeah, so and, and that, of course, could also be increasingly enabled by this token standard. So, for example, you could code in also like some of the different um, revenue, like like licensing um, agreements into the IP NFT itself. If all parties are like want to want to have those revenue streams on chain, it's it's still something we're like exploring. Like as we approach like um, more mature IP NFTs, like the first one was I think uh, funded a year ago roughly by VitaDAO. And of course, like it takes a while to, till you move to, for example, licensing revenue, etc. So, like right now, it's a, like a sponsored research agreement, uh, which could result in a, basically a patent application and getting a patent, um, and then could result in, in revenue uh, streams. So ultimately, it will take a while till we see the first IP NFTs with royalty um, basically flowing in. Um, so I think, yeah. It's also an active exploration, like what makes the most sense for the holder, like biodials, of course, very different than individuals, very different than a biotech and and what legally makes sense and, and from like the process. It makes me think a lot about parallels with the music world, for example, Royal and the yeah. royalty sharing NFTs that they've set up. And I'd imagine the music legal apparatus is much simpler than what you find in the biotech world. but it seems like the the concept of IP NFTs is, in effect, can be agnostic of the industry that it applies Absolutely. to. And one, I, I I think we talked about this in a previous conversation about how this could potentially apply outside of different industries. Um, but two, I, I wanted to, as we start to kind of wrap up the show, I, I want to understand what, what does the world of decentralized science look like? 10 years from now, um, what, what is molecule enabling and what, what, what do other entities need to enable to, to make this really happen? And the reason I'm asking this is, is trying to give the audience a sense of what opportunities do they have to help build this ecosystem? Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's interesting. Like on your first question, I also totally believe that it's like ultimately agnostic and ultimately I think at some point we really should and, and want to build alongside, for example, even like music NFTs and, and think about like some of the shared legal questions and share like, and ultimately to make it really interoperable and, and really work well together. Um, and, and yeah, because it's, it's not just like music royalty rights, like of course it could be even like to like a specific franchise, like whatever Pokemon uh, and like in the context of a crypto game, like there's like all of those novel IP use cases that are also really native to crypto. And I think on the second question, which is really good, it's hard for me to tell, but I think my feeling and of course like our bet right now with like our ecosystem with Molecule and, and VitaDAO and, and those biotech DAOs is really focused on the funding because I think that's ultimately like 
where we need much more diversity and much more experimentation on like different ways to fund research and to also fund open science to fund all, all kinds of research. So I think in the ideal world, uh, we'll just have like an explosion in research also facilitated by crypto, hopefully like everything from credetic donations to IP NFTs to completely novel different experiments. Um, so I think there's a lot definitely on the, on the funding side where there hopefully will be like a explosion, just an experimentation. And I think there's a bunch also of like novel, like even on the, for example, philanthropic side, like for example, of course, with credit donations, a lot of like novel mechanisms that we should explore, I think. And like within the mechanism design, even of something like credit donations, the variety of, of ways to explore. I think like there are a bunch of other things like imports, in, import, impact certificates, um, I think also extremely fascinating. I think in the world of publishing, uh, like, I think we should have like at some point, like truly trustless and open ways to share research and uh, have like a, like a citation and graph of, of the, these different research papers. I think there's um, a bunch of others I'm missing, I think, but a lot of it really for me centers around the like for everything from a researcher token to biotech DAO to science DAOs, um, just maturing and like seeing more experimentation there, like which like implementation even of a biotech DAO is the most conducive to scientific progress. Um, and I think the overall lear uh, like learning for me is observing also a lot of the space and in general in crypto is ultimately building something people want and like the the standard kind of like startup advice really applies and I think a lot of people like sometimes don't have like the necessary experience like in product software and design as well as like in building something people want and iterating quickly but I think that will get us uh, in the next 10 years to the most ideal ecosystem is, is basically this explosion of experimentation on everything from funding to scientific publishing to actually execution of, of science, like with LabDAO. Um, like, and, and then I think like those for me are the, the most important factors to get to the best future. But I think really what I would love to see is like one needs to be also realistic, like a lot of stuff needs and, and should be off chain, for example, and a lot of stuff also doesn't need blockchain. So, uh, like in the conversation back to Vitalik, like, like he also didn't saw much need beyond funding, uh, from the crypto world, how it intersects with science. I think this changed a bit, but they are also like some of the most impactful, uh, I would say science projects. Like one that comes to mind, for example, is this kind of like bit of like a pirate torrenting spirit, uh, project called, uh, Sci-Up, which basically of course gives everyone access to every paper in the world and not totally legal, but in a, in a sense, probably at one of the biggest impacts um, for the sciences with like this one Russian woman hacker building it. Um, and ultimately, I think we want like totally open and trustless science accessible for everyone, uh, stored forever on chain potentially, um, but also the data from that research and, and, and to have much more of the research in a very open science, like transparent way. Um, yeah, but I think it's also hard, hard to imagine, like, um, I think beyond that, there will be like a lot of interesting experimentation, but what I would like as a, maybe a, <laughs> advice for builders in the space is really to like learn the best practices from like building startups and building products that people want and really like talking to users, um, making sure also like the user experience works well. And that one is like really so like solving a real problem um, and not like building something that like people might not really need or that like <laughs> where there's like, yeah. And I think that's something where it makes sense to from first principle ask questions like what are the core things that are broken in science and how could it be fixed? And I think of course around funding, there's a lot around the replication crisis, there's a lot around this basically closed science and uh, very not open science. There are a lot of issues that could be tackled, but I think um, there will hopefully be many more that I can't think of. 
I think there's a lot for the audience to tackle there, and um, hopefully we'll see more builders in this space. I, I wanted to lastly ask, do you have any asks for our audience? And finally, what is the best way for them to get in touch with your VitaDAO or Molecule and follow what's going on in the space, uh, whether it's joining a Discord or engaging on Twitter or the like? Absolutely. Like, yeah, all of the above. <laughs> and I think the best way to engage is like, on the one side, I think, to get an overview really from first principles of like the problems in science and basically really trying to understand like what's broken about funding, what's broken about around publishing, why do we have a replication crisis? Like why do we have some of those problems? And then really talking again to use, like talking to scientists, talking to patients, like what's really broken and do we need to fix it? And ultimately then I think in the next step only it really makes sense to figure out like what could be interesting projects that are the most promising on trying to fix those and then getting involved there. So like we're always like on Molecule and, and VitaDAO and uh, other efforts, of course, in the ecosystem like LabDAO, like are all super open and super welcoming to contributors and like looking for contributors in a company like Molecule, we're looking for interns for people to hire, of course, full time. Um, so I think the best is to just like read up on the, on the problems, talk to users and um, getting involved on, on building out those things. And then, yeah, I think really the, the core is again, back to the best principles of startup building to talk to users, iterate quickly and try to build something those users want. And then on how to get involved, like what, what you said, like on VitaDAO and Molecule, if you check out the websites, we have like the Discord links and, and the emails. You can also reach me on, on Twitter at my um, at Vincent Weiser and write me an email at vincent at molecule.to. Um, so definitely reach out and yeah, it would be amazing to hear from some of you and and also yeah, to hear some novel ideas like that I haven't uh, explored or discussed. And I think two interesting efforts is like on the on the one side, there's a project called Desai Wiki, I think by Jocelyn Pearl uh, that basically touches and gives a good overview of those different projects. We're working on a actually a page for um, ethereum.org on decentralized science. So it's actually also laying out some of the problems, potential solutions. So definitely also sh like add stuff there. It's like everyone can edit it on, on GitHub. And yeah, like that's some of the things. And then I think I'm, I can't share too much yet, but we're also exploring with, with actually Gitcoin, a decentralized science, open science round potentially uh, for September for the next round. So if you have a project yourself or want to start a small project, I think that's the best uh, potential for also kernel members and the broader community to start a project in that context and get a first credetic uh, grant basically to to explore this more full term if you have like full time if you have an idea i think that could be a good opportunity to get it off the ground <laughs> all right a lot a lot of great next steps and definitely everyone keep your eyes peeled for that for those next uh, opportunities with with molecule and gitcoin and the like well, thank you again, Vincent, for spending time with us on this podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun.